In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast, production of the Oil & Gas Global Network and sponsored by Anderson Hauser. Anderson Hauser is a global leader in measurement instrumentation services and solutions for industrial process engineering. They provide process solutions for flow measurement, level pressure, temperature analytics, and much more, optimizing processes and efficiency, safety, and environmental impact. They serve many industries across the globe, including a focus in oil and gas. Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. Today, my guest on the show is Miss Lola Stovall. Lola is uh, counsel for Zuber Lawler Law Firm. Lola, thanks for coming on the show today. Russell, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a very vital subject that you're covering, HSC, and I'm excited to be here today. Well, we're excited to have someone of your caliber on the show. So, Lola, obviously we're talking over the internet, but and I'm in Houston area, as everybody knows, but uh, where are you right now? I'm located in Houston, as this is the heartland oh, of oil and gas, I believe. <laughs> yes, I am. I can tell from your accent, though, you're obviously from Houston, right? I am originally from Russia, and I came here in 97, went to law school, and then was promptly recruited by Exxon. Stayed there for about oh, six wow. and a half years. That, <laughs> well, thank you oh, for the excitement. Uh, that does sound exciting. So you came from Russia to the States. So where did you go to law school? Oh, that's a really great subject I love to talk about. It's a very small public school at the University of Utah, which is very highly rated and more importantly has a just awesome nurturing environment and so many times I look back and I think, I don't know how I would have made it through law school with top grades if I didn't, if I chose any other school but that one. It's S.J. Queenie Law School at the University of Utah. At the University of Utah. Now, that's interesting. I wouldn't have known that. So you graduated from law school and so you immediately went to work for Exxon. Yes. In fact, I was recruited by Exxon when I was still in law school. So I already had a job lined up and moved straight to Houston took Texas bar. And I have to tell you that when I came here to the bar review courses, I did not think I would understand the professors at all. But it took about a couple of days to adjust to the Texas drawl. And after that, it was all good. For the past 20 years, I've been practicing oil and gas law in the great state of Texas and really enjoying that. Well, that's great. That's great. So your experience with Exxon, I mean... That had to be, a, so you went from Exxon and then after Exxon, you went to a smaller independent. If I recall from you and I, we had a discussion prior. Is that right? That's right. I went to Sheridan Production, which is, you're correct, it's a small independent. It had about $5 billion in assets at its peak. Uh, I came there when there was startup. They just bought their first set of 200 million worth of assets, and I was uh, legal support for all of their operations, uh, which at the time were in Texas, Oklahoma, a little bit in Wyoming and New Mexico. And okay. I stayed there for about 13 years. So now you're at Zuber. Tell us a little bit about 
the Zuber Lawler firm? So a Zuber Lawler is a boutique firm that focuses on emerging industries. I came to establish their energy practice as well as to co-lead the clean tech practice that focuses on emerging technologies. And in addition to the energy sector, they cover cryptocurrency, non-fungible tokens, artificial intelligence, metaverse, and many, many other emerging industries. So I'm very fortunate to have there. They have offices across the United States and about 50 lawyers. And roughly speaking, there's probably a third of litigators and uh, two thirds of transactional counsel. And half of those are IP lawyers. I am in transactional group, so I do what I've done before, general support to businesses that are mostly brick and mortar businesses and mergers and acquisitions work and a little bit of corporate. So tell us about this, your role with oil and gas companies and, and in the energy sector. And I think you mentioned, you said clean tech. Tell us a little bit about that. So clean tech really focuses on adding carbon reduction technologies for the most part to the mature oil and gas companies. There is really not a quick fix in the real world, as we all know, to going green for somebody like ExxonMobil or even for smaller, more nimble operators. So for the most part, the way that it's accomplished is through either joint venturing with greener companies or um, acquiring companies that have technology that assists with carbon footprint reduction. And uh, the legal work that's involved is mostly mergers and acquisitions and, of course, patent work for the new technology. Okay, Lalo, so this is an HSE podcast. What's your area of expertise in these areas? Well, as you know, expertise comes from unfortunate experiences sometimes. Uh, as uh, operations counsel, both at Exxon and at Sheridan Production, and of course in private practice, unfortunately, I was not only involved, but overseeing and directing. Basically, the cleanup in the loose sense of the word, no pun intended here, of several incidents that involved sometimes environmental discharges of oil and in some cases, unfortunately, even severe personal injury catastrophes that occurred. And I don't want to go too deep into where and when that was exactly happening, but I'd love to share with you any experience that would be helpful to the audience. Well, just right off the bat, the theme of this show is everyone coming home safe. And we hate to hear about it, but we need to hear about it in order to maintain our, our awareness and everything. But you, you mentioned, you know, human life, injuries, fatalities, any insights you have in, into that? Well, I think that I love the theme of everybody coming home safe. And when I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking that my theme for it probably is that be the leader, don't be the follower when you're in charge of safety. And everybody be the leader, it, don't be the follower. <laughs> That's right. And coming from, you know, everybody does it is a really bad guiding principle when you're in high school, but it's a very dangerous principle when you get to the oil field and when it comes to environmental <laughs> health and safety. Yeah, my mother used to say when I pulled that line, everybody's doing it. She said, well, if everybody was laying down in front of the street outside the house, would you do it? <laughs> she, she never did buy that line. <laughs> very good. Very good. I love it. 
So one of the unfortunate experiences that I have, as you know, that's uh, what forms great basis for learning sometimes, right, uh, was fatality and uh, injuries coming out of an H2S incident. I know that your podcast has had several discussions on H2S and Texas Railroad Commission is always looking very closely at anything that's involving H2S. What ended up happening is we had a private lawsuit coming out of that Anosha and the Texas Railroad Commission action. And the most important things I would say would be to plan ahead. All of the things that went wrong were something that is a great learning for others. The design of EHNS is just vital. I know that oil and gas is a very conservative industry. I've been there. I enjoyed the conservatism of the industry. But when it comes to HNS design, it's just critical to always be one step ahead. But that's what prevents the injuries. That's what saves the environment. As uh, tried as it sounds, there is no new way of handling things other than preparing for the worst. That's right. Prepare for the worst and expect the best. That's what you want to shoot for. Absolutely. And the other thing also is you have to be consistent. Your management and your field uh, people have to be on the same page. There is nothing more embarrassing than when management thinks that the process works one way and when it comes to an accident and you run into the regulatory agency investigations and litigation discovery, it turns out that the field operations are not at all running the way that it was designed and what everybody thought implemented by the headquarters. And it's not just the embarrassment, it's the actual human lives and the environment that are on the line at that point. Yeah. And when you talk about the, uh, I guess, when it does get involved in, in litigation, when it does get involved in lawsuits and the company's trying to defend itself, if they've got people from the company in various different departments up there and not telling the same story, you've got a problem there, don't you? Right. And I think that the problems are only going to be exacerbated by the recent developments that we see. For example, everybody has heard ESG by now, and especially with respect to public companies. And I believe that it will come down to private company reporting as well. You now have companies uh, like Exxon filing SEC disclosures. So you have directors overseeing the process. And it's not just a matter of uh, public embarrassment, which it is, it's also a matter of SEC violation. If your disclosures do not match the facts that come up in the course of investigation or litigation that happens in the fallout of any major accident, whether it is environmental or personal injury. So one of the key factors, as you just said, any kind of incident, whether it's environmental or it has to do with with safety and, and accidents and that sort of thing, your first line of attack is proper notification. Is that right? Right. Absolutely. I think your first line of attack should be preparation. But when things already went wrong. Okay. Yeah, good point. Um, you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. The only thing you can do for yourself is to notify the regulatory agencies. And you have to be very careful and go state by state. The rules differ. A lot of times you have to give notification to police, believe it or not, because we're talking about either loss of life or severe injury or property damage that results from an incident, right? So all of that is reportable to police, which is not always intuitive to the personnel that's on the front lines. And then, of course, in Texas, a lot of things that happen are subject to Texas Railroad Commission notification. 
And in a lot of instances, it is immediate notification, which is what's most often overlooked. And believe me, when Texas Railroad Commission takes interest, any hour that was missed uh, is going to be considered in uh, how negligent you were because you couldn't even figure out how to report. So that is sometimes an avoidable but very bad fact that may occur in the aftermath of the accident. And I would encourage everybody listening to go through their reporting procedures, especially if you're a smaller company, and make sure that you count for those notification windows because they are not located on the Texas Railroad Commission site in very intuitive places. And I'm telling you with full knowledge, having dug through those websites for hours, that it's not easy to find those rules. That's a very good point. Lola, this may be worth the price of admission right here. We talk about things that, that we intuitively know, you know, things like planning ahead. But, you know, we use those buzzwords and then the specifics of that sometimes gets lost. So part of planning ahead, you need to make sure that you've planned ahead for your reporting procedures. And a lot of times that gets overlooked, right? Correct. And the reporting procedures don't just involve the regulatory agencies. One of the most helpful reporting you can do, and a lot of times you will be guided in next steps if you reach there, is your insurance provider. Obviously, if you're in oil and gas, you have general liability coverage. You may also have pollution coverage. And there is a little bit of a difference there between gradual and sudden and accidental pollution. Everybody should have sudden and accidental, not everybody. Okay, so so let's... A lot of times it's... Okay, let's, let's define those terms. So I think most everybody can figure out sudden and accidental. So all of a sudden a, a valve breaks, you know, a pipeline cracks, a hose comes off, lightning strike at a tank battery of... Uh, And anyway, you've got, you know, suddenly you've got an accidental discharge. But talk about, and you say everybody should, that's usually excluded under a a traditional general liability policy. So most of the time you have to buy a separate pollution policy or at least have a separate endorsement on on your GL. But what's gradual pollution? So not necessarily so. If you have general liability policy with all the standard endorsements for the oil field operations, your sudden and accidental pollution will be part of that policy. And you're right. Part of those definitions are intuitive. But the other part of the definition that's integral is that you have discovered and reported it within 30 days of the occurrence. And this is where we miss out on coverage, let's put it mildly, a lot of times. And that's why there is a common misconception that sudden and accidental is not covered. It is not covered if it is not properly reported. And the rub is when the field people find out versus when the management finds out. So the insurance company is not going to care that it took uh, months for uh, local personnel to filter something up to the headquarters. It's, uh, it's going, the days that are counted are from the days of the incidents to the days of the reporting. And the danger here also is not just missing out on coverage, but if you misreport something, depending on what it is, you could end up with an offense under the penal code in Texas that is relating to insurance fraud. And in fact, people who are surrounding those who did or did not report may even have an obligation to report to the Texas Attorney General. So it's very, very important that you check the communication lines way ahead of the accident to be sure that everything is reported internally promptly. 
More than that, there is very little knowledge around the fact that general liability insurance usually has the duty to defend you. So they will provide you with legal counsel fairly quickly. And um, if you're not reporting promptly to your insurer, a lot of times you're missing out on the opportunity to have a lot of the investigation covered by the attorney-client communication privilege and the work product privilege, because you should be expecting at that time that litigation and regulatory action might ensue. And going back to your question is what is gradual pollution? Gradual pollution is anything that is not sudden and accidental, which is even if it was break of pipe, but not reported within 30 days, it will be deemed gradual at that point. It will fall out of the definition of sudden and accidental. But traditionally, the separate policies that are bought for gradual pollution are intended to deal with historic pollution, something that occurred over time, seepage that cannot be discovered with due diligence in the course of 30 days from its start and things like that. But really, it's intended for historic well-filled pollution. That makes the case for making sure you have all your ducks in a row on leak detection and your instrumentation that measures these sort of things and can let you know that there is a problem. We're back to reporting procedures. You need to make sure you're reporting procedures to the regulatory agencies. you got all your ducks in a row there, but you better also have your ducks in a row as it regards reporting procedures to your insurance company as well, right? Oh, absolutely. And very good points, Russell. Honestly, if we had a title for our episode, we should call it Report, Report, Report. You can never go wrong with over-reporting in my mind and then telling that with full knowledge of what happens if you do tell your insurance company, yes, your premiums may go up if they end up paying, but it's going to be worse if you don't report. The other things to not overlook is in addition in Texas, in addition to the state agencies, you also have some areas that are still covered by federal reporting, right? Not everything falls under the state regulatory agencies. You have Texas Railroad Commission here and TCEQ that mostly governs air and water quality, but there are certain incidents that still fall under EPA reporting, and that is not to be overlooked. And you also have OSHA when it comes to personal injury. So it is important to look at state as well as federal reporting obligations anytime a serious injury occurs or a serious damage to the environment. And then, as you mentioned earlier, with regards to police, you may even have local city or county obligations to report to, to some authority. Is it also, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not always an intuitive point because you have something happening on private properties, on private property, but if you have somebody injured or you have a significant property damage, you do have to go ahead and report that to the police. That should be one of your first calls. And of course, they come out and document. That's exactly what we'll do, Lola. We will entitle this podcast, Report, Report, Report. Having your knowledge from from the legal perspective, this has been a, a worthwhile conversation. There's probably some other areas that we may want to get you on again and talk about some other matters uh, that can relate to your legal expertise. But again, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. I want to thank your law firm. And we'll put, I guess you have LinkedIn contact information, correct? And so does the Zuber Lawler law firm? Yes, absolutely. Interesting, but there's not not another Lola Stobel on LinkedIn, so I'm very easy to find, and I'm located in Houston, <laughs> and I'm counseled for Zuber Lawler. And um, right. Zuber Lawler, 
We'll put that contact information in our show notes. So again, thanks, Lola, for coming on. Thanks to everyone for listening. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Oil & Gas HSE, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Like us on LinkedIn and use all of your social networking to tell your friends about us. And we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.